Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Rip. I'm your host, Ryan Ripkin, and this is a podcast where I bring on guests from a variety of different industries to talk about their journey. And I promise you, no matter what path people have chosen to take, if you listen to the words, there are so many things that you can relate and hopefully resonate with. And above all, there are some great stories, and who doesn't love a great story? And for this week's guest, it is Jack Settlement, who is the CEO and founder of Snapback Sports. And Jack is a Maryland native, got to have that Baltimore connection, right? But it's really special to me to see what he's been able to do. And he's only 26 years old. He had an idea and he ran with it. And now he has partnerships with groups such as the NFL, the NBA, and he is continuing to grow and expand in the social media space. But you know what? I'm going to stop talking and let you hear it directly from him. So without further ado, here's this week's guest, Jack Settleman. Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Rip. I'm your host, and I have a special guest. It is Jack Settleman. Uh, Jack, we've been talking about this for a while. I uh, can't wait to tell your story, but hey, thanks for coming on. Of course. I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how this would exactly work. Uh, I don't usually drive up to New York. <laughs> uh, I got a little nervous of parking. Yes. And they said my car couldn't fit in a garage. So I don't know how you deal with it on a day-to-day basis. You don't have a car up here. That's the key. Is that what you... You don't yeah. have a car? No, no, no. Subway, Uber. You can bike. You can walk. I don't have a car. Okay, I got to get used to that. Because down in Baltimore, <laughs> you're commuting everywhere, yeah. as you know. Oh, you're still commuting most places, but just without a car. But or in someone else's car. So have you become like a professional... Metro transportator. I don't even yeah, know what the correct term is. Of course. Uh, not professional, like semi-professional. Use Google Maps. It tells you everywhere you need to go. But because of that, I can get around in any country. Like we went to Germany for the football game. Yeah. And like we took the Metro because once you learn how it all works, you're, you're set. You know, I, maybe it was because of growing up, I had the fear of God put in me <laughs> for traveling on subways or traveling trains. That's something I couldn't get over with over in Europe. I mean, my, my girlfriend went on a Euro trip and you're training from country to country. Yeah. I can't even fathom that. Like I, I was scared to go on a subway until I probably was like 22 because uh, my mom put the fear that I wouldn't make it home. Yeah, so, being above ground is preferred. But if you live in New York, especially in the city, you got to be able to take the subway. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So a little bit of background with Jack, though. So you're a McDonough guy, which is in Baltimore, or outside in Owens Mills, Maryland, close actually to where the Ravens facility is. Yeah. Uh, I went to Gilman, Baltimore guy as well, and we were two years apart. We decided mm. on that. Yep. Sounds about right. So it's kind of crazy that you see a lot of different people move on to more opportunities once they leave. And I don't, that's no knock to it. That's a part of life. Yeah. Uh, we've had athletes on, had Jerry Sandusky on. Your path is really interesting to me because we're in a social media world now. And you have now kind of taken over the space uh, with Snapback Sports, which we'll dive into that. But just kind of walk me through, like, you went to Texas. Mm -hmm. And then your senior year, you came up with an idea. Can you just talk about what made you want to get into this social media space mm -hmm. and how it all came about? Yeah, so my sophomore year at UT, me and my roommate had a little extra time and we started a phone case company where we used the Apple logo as like a basketball or a football. We did it with rappers and, and other different celebrities and we were advertising through social media. And so at that point, I realized I was paying these 14 year old kids a thousand bucks to post an ad of our phone case on their Instagram page. Their Instagram page would then lead to $3,000 in sales for us. But after product, Shopify fees, all this stuff, we we're only making a couple hundred bucks. And I recognize we need to get thousands and thousands and thousands of orders to make the same profit that that person used just for essentially social media. So that's when I was like, hmm, maybe we should be selling shovels, right? Instead of digging for the gold. <laughs> and uh, I went to Snap because Instagram was super busy. Twitter was super busy. And this is now six years ago. It's obviously 10 times busier. TikTok didn't even really exist. Mm -hmm. And I liked how Snapchat verticalized their content, which nowadays all content is vertical. But right. back then, Instagram stories were brand new. Snap was really the only platform like that. IG Reels didn't exist, et cetera. So went to Snap. Uh, people told me you couldn't build a sports following on Snapchat. I said, 
I don't know. There's a lot of sports fans. Like, I feel like that's not true. Because at the time, there was comedy and cooking and memes and all that. But they were like, sports doesn't work. And I, you know, kind of called bullshit on, yeah. on that theory. And, you know, here we are. It grew to the largest sports Snapchat account because of the way Snap was built. Nowadays, we're kind of grandfathered in. They've changed the algorithm. You can't grow organically on that platform. And that's how that was the beginning of Snapback Sports. So there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> First off, just so I get this correct, you weren't even looking at you were look you was you were making a brand design for phones. Yes, yes. And we were advertising and paying people. And I was like, I want to get paid to post stuff, right? And and to create content. Creating content and influencers and all this stuff. It wasn't a thing back then. No. I just wanted to create an account that posted sports content. And then, you know, it's evolved since. So when you started that, because you realize, I think people forget looking at how it gets to, I mean, there, there's content everywhere left and right. And yeah. you're starting off into a brand new space. I and mean, I know it's, it's, it's 2023. A lot has been happening. Really, anytime, I can't tell you how relying on I can't find it right now. It's over <laughs> there. But so, we're so relying on our phone. People, yeah. everything you do, people can scroll for hours, mm -hmm. whether that's healthy or not. That is the reality of it. You took an idea that you wanted to go with, with doing something that you had no plan initially to do. Yeah. So a snap, you're going to have to walk me through algorithm or how, <laughs> how did you get to a point though to, or what was your game plan to start with, with snapback on Snapchat? Yeah. So that part is actually easy and, and I can explain. I grew up and you grew up watching sports center, right? In the morning before we went to school, you'd watch it uh, twice in the morning before college game day on Saturdays, yep. right? And then it all got decentralized into Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff. And what Snapback Sports is, and still to this day on Snap, a lot of it is like condensed three-minute sports center. So yeah. it's just the top highlights, clips, news that you needed to know. And people can kind of just click through and engage in that content. And so that was the concept. And yeah. obviously, people were attracted to that. It was so much easier than sitting down, hour-long show, commercials, etc. cetera. Uh, so that's really how it started. Back on Snap... Anyone used to be able to show up on the right side of the app, which is your explore page. So yeah. similar to your TikTok for you page, Instagram discover page, it was explore over there. And because our content was doing well, people would start to subscribe and follow. Nowadays, the only things on that side are verified people, which Snapback is not verified. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, shows they have like premium YouTube is what I would call it. Their show stuff. So that's why I say we're, we're somewhat grandfathered into having the largest snap presence on yeah. in the sports world because no one else can really beat us and grow over there. But because of that, our snap specific stuff doesn't grow either because there's no discovery of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So what what was one of your first videos that really took off? Can you remember? So that's really interesting, too, because there's no real virality on the platform. The way you used to grow on Snap was there were these 14-year-old kids. They had these message groups, and you would send them 100 bucks. They would shout you out from their account, and then you would grow. And then once you hit a certain level, yeah. then you would hit the algorithm and, and be able to kind of gain subscribers from there. So it wasn't really a super viral platform. The first snapback experience we ever did was the Red River Rivalry, Texas, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, 2017. I believe it was Baker Mayfield, but I, I would have to fact check that. Yeah, we can fact check it. We'll, <laughs> we'll look up the highlights with that. But it's, it's just this whole world, because I'm trying to get involved now into the media space yeah. and I would be lying if it wasn't overwhelming and, you know, I'm still down in the city. Like, I kind of just want to like swan dive into the harbor sometimes because it's just so <laughs> stressful. Yeah. And, but it, everything's changed. Everything's evolved. And you're talking about I'm, Snapchat for me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess you must have been a sophomore in high school. Cause yeah. I think my senior year, it started to come onto the scene. Right. And I had no idea. I just thought it was a goofy thing where you could take a picture and send it to someone. That's what a lot of people still think it is because that's a lot of how a lot of people still use the app. I always say Snap is like the best app. When I look at the apps right now, mm -hmm. Instagram, comment sections, kind of a cesspool. It's you follow like influencers now. You don't like your friends don't post Instagrams anymore, right? It's no. all creators. Same thing with TikTok. So Snap is still that kind of one-to-one -one connection or your group chat connection outside of like a group text. So yeah, because I'm so out of the game with even Snapchat. I, yeah. I, I'm a person, I turn off the notifications for Snapchat. <laughs> I don't send photos. I, I'm weird. I actually wasn't really involved with social media much when I was growing up. And maybe that was because of my the name and, yeah. and being a Ripken and 
I, I just didn't like the distraction because I actually got on Twitter a few times when I was in college and, and uh, I didn't like that I could just, people could message you all the stuff. I just, I didn't need any more distraction. Yeah. Now being in it, it's, it's the everyday life of, of people's entertainment or what they're doing or connecting. And it has so many great aspects to it. But so kind of just to move forward, so you had, how many followers did you end up getting on, on Snapchat? So we're at like 800,000 on the main Snapback Sports account. Wow. Yeah. And then you moved. So what was the next transition over then? And was it YouTube and Instagram? The next thing was actually a podcast. Ooh. So maybe we had started an Instagram or, or another platform. But the first platform we really attacked was our podcast. And the thought process was, you know, short form people are watching. But can people like do people care about me and my opinions or just because I'm curating a, a really nice feed for them? Yeah. And so we had a decent amount of success. I mean, we ended up number one. We kind of growth hacked the algorithm. If you get a certain number of ratings and reviews and yeah, the original name was actually Real Sports. But, you know, Brian Gumble and them, they didn't they didn't want us to keep that. So. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can see that. That's electric, by the way. That's yeah. number one for people that can't see that on here. <laughs> So that, that was it. So you were focusing on not necessarily, cause that's a, that's a big thing where I feel people nowadays want to make it about themselves in yeah. a sense. Yeah. And some people, they love the personalities and yeah. hopefully I put this back correctly. You're good. And, but you were trying to play to an audience that would fit to that. So how, how are you able to combat that and really kind of understand? Cause it is one thing, like it's fun when yeah. you are in control. Yeah. Yeah. But how are you, how are you able then to tell yourself, Hey, this is this is might might be what I'm enjoying, but how do you play to or how'd you get that feedback from the audience? Yeah, I talk a lot about this and uh, you know, I try not to rag on the big media companies, but it's true in that like their execs aren't in the DMs listening to fans and what they want and focusing on comments. I've answered hundreds of thousands of messages from my fan base. And so like today I put out would you guys want Snapback Sports soccer jerseys mm -hmm. with cool designs? And like half of them were like, no, those are the ugliest things I've ever seen. <laughs> and half of them are like, yo, those are fire. And so when we were doing the podcast, we wanted to keep that same thought process. And to be honest, I always got the sense that like, yeah, people were listening, but it, it didn't fit our audience perfectly. And I think we were just a touch too early. We should have been doing video podcasts the whole time. And it took three, four years until we finally... Uh, did video because that's just how our audience is engaging with stuff. They watch it on YouTube. They can watch it passively or they want to see a face to it, right? Yeah. So the, the evolution of it, the video aspect, yeah. people want to see things more than here. And I know the podcasting world has really taken off and it really kind of has a similarity to radio at times. When yeah. you think of it in that sense, you pop on a podcast in the car, it's essentially the same thing if you're just turning on the stereo or radio, yeah. but the video brings life to action. Uh, you know, I guess what I'm hearing right now for you is you had a, some trial and error to oh, figure yeah. out what worked. And I think that to me is fascinating because I mean, in my career with baseball, it was trying to figure out what worked. <laughs> and then constantly when you thought you had it figured out, shit hit the fan, you had to figure you had to work on something else. So could you just touch on these opening steps? It couldn't have all been, you know, all, all, uh, all roses and everything was peachy. I mean, yeah. what, what were some tough times that you experienced? So I know at the end we might have some advice. So I, I have, I always have like two pieces of advice. So I'll use one. Now. Oh, use one now and uh, save one for yeah. later. So the, the first one is, uh, I think it was a company called Nike and they say, just do it. Mm. This is like my seminal belief, which is like, go and do it and it'll force you to figure it out. So I was like, I want to create a podcast. All right, next step. How the heck do I create a podcast? How do I edit a podcast? How do I promote a podcast? How do I work with a podcast company? How do I make money? You're going to learn like eight skills just from creating a podcast. Now this setup that we're using now, yeah. this is over five years. We've gone from mics, you know, handheld mics over like some shaky software on bad Wi-Fi to Ethernet to like you see this setup. This is all, this is just brand new in this office, right? Yeah. And so there's evolutions to it. And I do think that's the beauty of today's age is like, 
yeah, you want to get to the quality of a DSLR camera and, and these mics. But like we start off and there are tools, free tools, your phone works, you know, not like the phone camera is 90% as good as, as this thing. So you have the tools at home, but you got to go and do something. And so that's what we did. We just figured it out. And if it didn't work, we just iterate on it and use YouTube. YouTube knows everything these oh, days. You can, go you can Google search and YouTube it. And, and there's so much information, you know, at your disposal. But I think that's a big part is getting started. Mm -hmm. going to actually do it and uh yeah not not to use nike's phrase but i mean but it, it's true i i always felt that way for myself it was i would i would sit there sorry about that i would sit there and i would have an idea yeah but then i mean correct me if i'm wrong you just sit there and the next i'm gonna work on it the next day i'm gonna do it the next day and it doesn't happen you sit there and you keep thinking well shit when am i actually going to do something when I tell myself I have an idea mm -hmm. and for me, it took a while like this podcast and I, there's one thing about being prepared. Yep. There's another thing about putting the first step forward. Yeah. Right. So what you're saying is the, the information that you did, you weren't afraid of failing no. is what I'm getting at. For a lot of people though, that is a, a common thing. So how did you, was it just early on for you growing up where failure wasn't daunting to you? I don't think people are too truthful when they say like they love failure. I think it's more of like a cliche, but like who cares at the end of the day? Yeah. Like if you fail, you know, you're, I think you can look at it as failure. You're going to learn 10 things. So was it really a failure? I would also look at the odds and say, you know what, this podcast, there's a high chance it's not going to be successful, but who knows what you can get out of it from doing the reps, from showing up. And that's been another main theme of like, you know what, if this podcast doesn't go anywhere, if it has a million views or one, like this relationship, we never know where it could Working spring us out. right in, in the world. So you'll never get those opportunities by not doing it. So that that's another belief is like, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. And, and the real thing is consistency. You can, people can get to the point where they're like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm prepared. I'm planned and I'm going to do it. But then it's the consistency. You record six episodes, they're shaky. And then the, you know, the listenership is whatever, like we're still not doing amazing numbers and we're five years in, but the consistency is what has people, you know, prepare for us every single week. Yeah. And it's growing your audience. So even if it doesn't, you know, I, I went through this for a while and even in this thing each time I, and I love when people give me feedback right yeah. now, I will say, yeah, I, I don't buy that people love failure. I think that's a load <laughs> of shit. Yeah. I mean, is failure one of the best teaching tools? 100%. Absolutely. But yeah. I can't tell you how much <laughs> when I would be in a baseball game and I brought this memory up, I got off to a good start to the season in 2019. And then it was, you know, like six for my first eight, feeling great. And then I went 0 for my next eight, which included going 0 for 5 with the golden sombrero, which is four <laughs> strikeouts in case you're wondering. <laughs> and then the, my manager said, you're not playing the next day, take a break. The player that played for me, got thrown out of the game. I had to be inserted in the lineup and struck out two more times. <laughs> so at one point I was 0 for 7 with 6Ks. That failure sucked. Yeah. I didn't enjoy one moment of that, but it did, it forced me to make an adjustment. It forced me mentally to want to push forward. Exactly. You know, but I, I think that's the thing is right now, the feedback, which I was, I went on a little ramble there, but the feedback that I've gotten so far is your product is going to look so much different over time. Yeah. And, and you can even probably look back to what your first couple episodes look, looked like then to now. Yeah. I mean, was there ever a moment though, I guess, that you said, well, huh, like it looks so different or you just, you picked your head up and you could see that your skills got better? Yeah, I, I don't even think there is that major moment where, like, cause even this, you know, this is cool. We're in like my home office, but we don't have like the real studio that, yeah. you know, the professionals have. So I think we're still going that way. And my favorite thing about Snap is Snap Memories and very often I'll, I'll see like a memory from five years ago, me talking to the camera and it's, you know, cringe as, as the kids say, because the development and the involvement of, of what I've become publicly and on camera is just wild. And I know I've got so much further to go too, but in the moment I had no clue. It's only looking back that you're like, wow, there's a major difference there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> talking about cringe, 
I hate hearing my voice, <laughs> even to this day, and I and even how I look at the camera, what I'm yeah. doing, and, and having Jerry Sandusky on. <laughs> I, I'd be in awe with him talking to me and looking at the camera, and I'm like, why are you so polished? But he'll even tell you, it just it, it happened over time. Uh, you know, was there something for you? Because you have to be comfortable after a while talking mm -hmm. to the camera. Was that something growing up for you where you were always, you know, not saying that you weren't going to be quote unquote cringe, but... Yeah. But clearly, to step in front of it, not everyone likes it. No. And so this is what you won't know, what majority of people won't know, definitely from watching this. So I grew up with alopecia. You're familiar mm -hmm. with that. So Josh Dobbs, Charlie Villanueva, Ryan Shazier, uh, a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, those are athletes that are, have notable alopecia. And so in high school, I at McDonough, which is, you know, private school with the, with the full uniform, I had to wear, I didn't have to, but they let me wear a hat my junior year because, you know, I, I didn't have any hair. And it yeah. was just like what made me comfortable. And so if you ask anyone, right, from, yeah. from high school, even early days college, my parents, my family, I would never be on camera. I would, like, I hated being even photographed because of the way I looked. And so now, like, the involvement of that. So, no, the answer is... You only, it's, it's all reps. And I think like, this is the true story of someone who would have never, like, I didn't want to do oratory, at, you know, yeah. in 11th grade at McDonough, let alone get on TV on camera. Uh, but yeah, you put the reps in and, and you get there. So then with that, I mean, again, like that, that's very understandable. That's really real. You yeah. know, I remember at times, I mean, and when you're a younger kid too, you're even going to be more self-conscious. I mean, yeah. it doesn't stop that you're not self-conscious about, you know, other, your surroundings or yourself, but as you get older, you hope to, you know, understand yourself a little bit more, yeah. right? That, that's kind of the goal for you though. I mean, what, what was it just that you wanted to just have a platform for sports, but like, do you remember a moment where you're like, I, I want to do this now? Was there a determination after a while? Cause you had to say, you just said, you said, I, I didn't want to deal with things yeah. as a kid. Yeah. But then after a while you said, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. I, so I wanted to work in sports. I always knew that because yeah. I think the passion in this industry is, is unlike any other. I always use the analogy like uh, Apple sells a million or a billion iPhones. Like yeah. no one in the, in the boardroom is high-fiving or cheering or crying. And then you watch the tournament and these kids are losing games. And so I love the emotion of sports and the passion behind it. And then I always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial, I guess, itch, you know, growing up, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And, you know, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to just create and talk sports. And so then I had to reverse engineer, well, how can I talk about sports in my daily job? Yeah. And that's where it landed us. But for a year, you know, it was just Snapchat content. So I wasn't on, on the screen. I right. was on the camera. It was just my captions and my opinions. Then the podcast for a year and a half, it was just my voice, right? Yeah. So it was about two and a half, three years before I was even on the camera, yeah. uh, which is why, you know, I think there's a lot of development still to be had. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, but that's the thing. It's, it, it's hearing the evolution, yeah. hearing the journey of where we're getting to and not where it started. Because I think for so long, this is a, this is a thing for me looking back. I think I wished as a kid, I wish I actually did more acting. Like I love doing improv yeah. in, in high school. Like we did a Halloween costume contest, which I don't think is allowed anymore. <laughs> At, you know, we might have pushed the envelope <laughs> a little bit, but I love the the theatrics that went along with it. But maybe at the time I was more ashamed of showing that side. Yeah. And not saying that you were ashamed because of your condition of what you're dealing with, but you were self-conscious of it. Very. You know, so it's just interesting. So whoever's listening to this, you can see, you can overcome which, whatever you want to do. And it's not always going to be the way, you know, that you're going to expect. Like you mm -hmm. didn't expect that snap snapback was going to grow like this. Right. You were going to be in front of the camera. Yeah. And, and there's happen. other ways to like, if you want to be in a content creator, there's a million ways to create that doesn't, that can fit what you want to do. Bloggers are creators. Podcasters mm -hmm. are creators. Video isn't a requirement for a lot of these things. And so there, there's a million ways to spin it. So then, you know, a little bit of background then for you, just for people to understand, you, you were with two companies with mm -hmm. action sports and with whistle, right? Yeah. So what did you say? And you've mentioned so far with the bigger name media companies and not necessarily with those, but can you just touch on of, of where you you're seeing some of the bigger companies go to? Because I feel like there is a disconnect and so many people are doing or, or want to do. I feel like the benefits of going more independent. 
Yeah, it is interesting because I think the the guy I think is just incredible right now, and most would agree, is Pat McAfee. Yep. And he went independent, right? He was at Barstool and then went independent. But now it sounds like he might go the network route. Mm-hmm. It really is at what stage your company or you personally is at that I think makes the most sense. He's gotten to a scale where YouTube and doing it all himself independently doesn't make a ton of sense. But there was a large period of time where it did make sense. Yeah. So uh, I worked at Action Network right out of college, learned you know skills about social media, what it's like to work in the corporate world, obviously learned a lot about gambling. And then when I pivoted to Whistle Sports, I learned how to be a creator, what creating content looks like, how working with brands operates and all that stuff. And then two years ago, went full time. And now, you know, I create a lot of content. But now the other half of my job is building the business, hiring, payroll, accounting, you know, legal, the stuff that isn't as sexy and isn't on the camera. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, the evolution of everything. Yes. I mean, I mean, talk about all this, all the stuff that you've started to create and being independent that comes with that. You're in control now of what you're doing, but it's a lot more responsibility. Yeah. But you have a lot of great stuff going on. I mean, you covered Monday Night Football every every Monday night for the NFL. You just read the NBA All-Star Game. You're partnered with underdogs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I know I'm missing a <laughs> list of things, but you're doing all this, and, and I'm, my guess is you're the one in these conversations, correct? Yeah. yeah. You know, so do those come up? Like, you know, how do you stand up then for yourself in those conversations? I don't mean that in a way that people are trying to take advantage. Obviously, you're having success. But what was that like? Because that, that's from a whole different lens. When we're talking about these networks, mm-hmm. people are talking on your behalf. You know, and with everything, you're actually right in the thick of making every decision. Yeah, yeah. So Alex Scheinman, uh, a couple years ago, he, he came on and was my business manager. Mm-hmm. And this is when we thought about Snapback is kind of just like part of Jack's settlement and not as like a media company as it is today. Yeah. And it was like, I can help. So we did a couple brand deals and, uh, you know, he's super well networked. And then we started doing a little PR and now he's my business partner because we have an agency that reps digital creators. And so what we found was I could pitch myself. I know myself and our business better than anyone, but kind of putting someone in the middle of it was super beneficial. Yeah. And I think there was actually a report that came out today that said 37% of influencer creator rates are just completely made up. Because people don't know how yeah. to price themselves and what their worth is, especially at the at the onset. So he was he was definitely pivotal in evolving the brand and getting us to where we are today. And so he sits in between a lot of those conversations. Obviously, I have a lot of those conversations as well. But it is nice to tap on someone and and it you know the the company that we're negotiating with. They have no clue. Like I can make you, I've made my friends, my business associates for the day yeah. because it kind of just positions it and then it puts someone in between. And then, you know, ironically, you talk about Lamar and an agent, right? The benefits of it's like, it's not that I couldn't negotiate the same deal, but things could get said. Things could, it's just better sometimes when, when there's someone in the middle. Um, and so Alex has played that role for me. So that's helpful. I mean, that's good you have someone because that was going to be another a test when you're doing things and you brought up, did I bring up that topic as a coincidence? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> but but to a point of it, I, I think some of those things can be intimidating when you're going into yeah. different groups and talking about how to value yourself. Yes. Right? Because talk about you want to have confidence. You believe in what you're doing, but you're also sometimes dealing with people that are maybe are afraid to take that leap with you. Yeah. Was that something... Do you ever get frustrated in those in those conversations where you felt at any point in time, or maybe it wasn't in the conversations that you felt what you were worth mm. was more than what people were valuing you? Yeah, I think, you know, I always used to say I would put our audience up because our engagement levels are ridiculous up against like pretty much most audiences and even the big accounts and yeah. even the big influencers. But a lot of the time, you know, I wasn't known like they were. Uh, Snapchat wasn't known like Instagram or other platforms were. And so it was a lot of pitching. And, you know, that's also the evolution. There were times where we had to take bad deals because people didn't know us. But if you trust and play the long game the right way, then it all kind of equals out over time. I mean, to this day, we still do a bunch of test kind of campaigns with brands. Now, 
Those tests used to be, all right, we want you to post one thing and we'll gauge it on that. Now our test periods can be like a month. So we've got yeah. a little more leeway. But yeah, absolutely. There's people who just, and you've got to not take it personally because they don't know, right? You know everything. You try and tell them everything, but they don't see everything that's going on. So as long as you don't take it personally, you'll you'll fare better. But that's the thing too. A lot of things are taken personally. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the whole Lamar situation, like, it almost feels a little bit more personal when you have to have some of these conversations. For sure. So what, I mean, how, how did you tell yourself then when you were, when you got to the moment, it seems like you're very level-headed, obviously. So, you know, <laughs> pats to you on that, but how, how did you remind yourself? Is it just that like, Hey, I believe in what I'm doing and I'm going to prove it. Yeah. Like here, watch me take, I, I, I hear what you're saying and you have the right to, but I'm going to prove to you my worth. Was that kind of what you were doing? Yeah. Do you use it as motivation? Because other cases, you're right. I mean, the, the reality is when it gets too personal, relationships can be soured. Yeah. You can do things out of emotion. And then the product of what you're trying to accomplish is gone. You know, you ruin that that chance when you get... I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen with guys personally, whether I was with playing or just even already, so, already in my life in the business world where they let something that was, you know, it's a part of business mm -hmm. become personal. And then therefore it then ruined possibly a great opportunity because of, you know, essentially pure emotion. Yeah. I would have to, you know, think more about what I was doing in the moment, but you just can't let it get personal as, as personal as it is. Right. Even if it's not about me specifically and it's my company, you know, I've put blood, sweat and tears into it. So yeah. of course I'm going to be passionate and emotional about it. Uh, you know, you got to be able to walk away. And if you're in a position where you can't walk away, then you have to understand personally from this standpoint, I don't have the leverage and I kind of have to take the opportunity that's being given to me and know that can, can I start to, you know, even create things in my head where I'm like, this is why it's good, right? Mm -hmm. We we took, I'll, I'll give you an example. We worked with Gillette. Yeah. Uh, that was our first blue chip brand, as we call them, yep. that we ever worked with. They paid us $7,500 for six months, a lot of our time, a lot of social posting. Uh, in short, like that deal would probably be six figures to us today. Okay. But... When we took a step back and we said, okay, who's in this campaign? It's going to be Jack Settleman, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Saquon, and Cole Komet, right? So now at least I'm like, all right, do they know my value and worth? Absolutely not, right? They're killing my value and worth by, by offering me this deal. Right. But what could we pull from it, right? Gillette's now going to go on any marketing deck in the future. I'm going to get to play Madden with Tua. That clip could go viral. So if you start to think about, you know, the other stuff outside of money, that becomes a much better deal. And it, it worked out just as we thought it would. It became a huge part of, of our future. And now, you know, if Gillette ever wants to work with us again, we can say back to them, okay, we would love to. We love working with you. But the price has gone up, changed. right? You yeah. know, it's gone up. And I think that's like you think about from a pro sports perspective as well. Some players want to go take a one-year test deal yeah. with a team where they're going to have more opportunity, and then they they perform. Okay, well now the next time, you know, they might not win a championship on that team that year, but they could, you know, in the future. Yeah, I mean that to me, you know, you're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be the wise one beyond my years <laughs> with, with trying to be level-headed, but that's just that that to me is genius. The fact of understanding that's also what i'm trying to realize don't sour your relationships oh no don't don't piss people off and and burn bridges like please don't even when things aren't going right because for that example you looked at what else could open up into your horizons and it yeah. did clearly it worked out for you but then you were able to experience other things just by saying hey we're interested and keeping your emotions in check yeah and and, it, and yeah. a lot of people tell you to like be good at saying no I'm actually a, a big say yes person. I, I just think like the more swings you take, the better opportunity you have. And so, you know, fans ask me to hop on their podcasts all the time. And, you know, per per dollar, per hour, it's not worth my time. But like, who knows where that fan relationship's going to go. I also love giving back to the fan. Like, I, I'm more so I take the decision to show up rather than, you know, save my time or use my time wisely. Yeah.
Well, and that's the, you, you never know who's going to be that, that voice. And it might, you might think that they might not have value, but that person goes on to do something that's extremely successful. Exactly. And, and, and we get kind of lost with that, which, you know, that, that's life. I mean, honestly, I think, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> here, but as you're moving forward and people are talking about it, you can have the degree. You can be the smartest guy in the room, Oof. but if you don't know how to handle relationships, be able to be compassionate, be understanding, be able to be personable, that to me is a more valuable trait in, in moving forward. And that's no knock. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, so I'll just say <laughs> that. But I mean, but it goes to show, like I, I see that with even a lot of my friends. They're extremely smart guys, but some of those other values aren't, aren't that. I mean... It's yeah. a relationship-driven world. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, your network is your net worth is, is the common phrase, and it's, it's all too true in this world. And, yeah, that's why you can't sour those relationships or, you know, then your network's going to shrink and people you'll start to get a rep. And, you know, I think that that's how we've been successful is we're, we're friendly with everyone. There's no what I've learned, and it's a mindset when you're younger, I think that you're unaware of. There's enough opportunity and enough money in the world that you don't have, it's not competitive. And I think coming from an athlete, it's like, all right, if he wins, right? If your podcast is successful, mine isn't. That's not the case. People listen to multiple podcasts. People yeah. watch multiple TV shows, multiple Netflix series, multiple games. People bet at multiple sports books. Like there is just opportunity for more than one person to win. And once you can have that mindset, it, it really is helpful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's not it's a competitive world, but a lot of things people can help each other out yeah. and put you guys can both grow and evolve together, which again, that that's life. I, I'm I'm learning as I go. And ba baseball's kind of, it's weird though. I will say with baseball, where minor leagues is a different breed, and mm -hmm. the, so whoever this, this is just a little story time for me. Minor league baseball, you actually do have to play for yourself yeah. in the minors because they're like, hey. We'll replace you at any time and not until you get into the majors and you establish yourself and you get a contract, then you're focusing fully on mm -hmm. winning a World Series. Right. Because the whole time, everyone's trying to replace you. If the team in the minor leagues has lost 130 games, but you're hitting 300, that that matters more than the results in the field. Okay. And that's... But again, that's that's very that that's that's la la land. No, but I, I think that's an important takeaway as well because I think of that when you're working at a corporate company, right? And and everyone, my fiance especially, is like, oh, my job is so safe. The company's so loyal to me. It's like, well, the market just corrected and ten thousand people lost their jobs at Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And the company is is so great to you until they're not. So. I'm, I'm a huge fan of people who like jump companies, do what's best for them. And that's a similar mindset is if it's not your business, if it's not your company, then do what's best for you. Don't be a dick to other people. Yeah. But but yeah, definitely be focused on, on what's best for you. That's a good point. Be good with relationships and do the thing in your best interest. And, and I've said this before, there's a difference between being selfish and doing the best thing for yourself. Yeah. So, I mean... We got, that was a great little back and forth on those things, but you know, I wanted to get moving forward because you got through the Snapchat and you got moving on to YouTube, mm. which I'm trying to figure out YouTube in general, but you've had a lot of success and now you're over half a million followers, yeah, right? Yeah. If, if I checked correctly. I mean, was that something that kind of came over time or was that, you know, how did you pick up that slack? Cause I mean, that's. YouTube, I feel, is one of the best ways to monetize, you know, your business. Yeah. So this is another life lesson brought to you by us is yeah. <laughs> what what it what appears on the outside isn't necessarily true on the inside, right? Yeah. So that number is a very high subscriber base. We've grown five hundred fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube over the last year, all through Shorts. So Shorts wow. is the new phenomenon, right? Yeah. We haven't made a dollar off YouTube. We still have no clue how to make long form content on YouTube. <laughs> we can't monetize the platform. It's outside of that number, it's virtually useless to us today, right? We make all our money on other platforms. But because of my belief in YouTube and the future of YouTube and long form content, we just hired a YouTube video editor. He, starts, uh, he started yesterday. We just filmed our first YouTube content. We just bought vlog cameras because we are going to go all in on YouTube, on YouTube. Uh, because it's a platform that you want to be on 
we're we're in this conditioned world where yeah we we scroll and we scroll and everything one second to grab attention but people still watch right they still watch a football game they still watch netflix they still watch movies so this idea that people don't have time or they don't have the you know the span to watch is not true the quality of content has just raised you know a million percent it used to be there were four channels so people would watch between four things now there's four million channels there's four million platforms to watch other content there's four million platforms so you gotta you gotta up your content and then people will watch so yeah we're gonna go full in on youtube this year that's our big push in 2023 so i'm excited and that's another thing is like we've had so much success building every step of the way but this is a brand new challenge. Like yeah. I'm fully expecting our first video, which goes out Thursday to flop uh, and to do, you know, a hundred views or 200 views or a thousand views, which everything else we put out gets tens of thousands yeah. of views. Right. So how are we going to stay even keeled to be like, you know what, we're, we're essentially brand new over here doing this. We got to earn trust and respect from the audience, iterate, get better, fail, try, you know, do all that stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I would have never known. I mean, uh, here I was propping you up. You're making a ton of money off YouTube. Joke's on me. Yeah. Uh, do your homework, Ryan. <laughs> Shit. But, but like, but it, it is crazy because you hear so much about that, you know, same whether it's content creators, influencers. Yeah, it always seems that the grass is greener by watching them. Like, yeah. oh, they got to be having success. Look at the following that they're having. But you don't hear the, 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 uh, the truth, the truth of it. <laughs> but so then in that case, like what, what has been your most besides, you know, Snapchat obviously got you going, but what's been of the platforms? What was the one that has given you the most like success over the last few years? Yeah, I, it's definitely Snapchat. Uh, my personal TikTok had a really good run with the recap content yeah. we did from Snapback Mondays. And, you know, for for a year, I was stuck at 20,000 TikTok followers. Now it's over 100,000. Um, Instagram's been a steady growth. Twitter has gone through spurts like snapbacks, Twitter. We still haven't figured out a strategy. It's all just a work in progress. And you know, that's something that I have, I've have to become more comfortable in because you think it's, you know, we all want this dopamine, this rapid success, right? But now. Things take time. They, they really do. And people will appreciate if you take the time and stay consistent. Well, that's the thing is that when you're talking about these platforms, they're great. You grow followings, but it's not going to always lead to money. But I think th- what it has led to cool opportunities mm-hmm. for you was the, the NFL, yeah, the NBA. Can you talk a little bit how your partnerships came about with those two uh, leagues? Yeah. So Alex, you know, like I said, he's he's a great guy and he's super well connected. And I'm trying to think what our first, you know, relationship was. He interned for them six years ago to the to the tune of "Don't Burn Bridges" and "Stay in Touch" and uh, you know, we decided that we were going to do the snapback Monday concept, which actually my original concept was I wanted to see if you could go to 365 games in 365 days. So one year on the road, it was while I was at Action Network, I planned out probably the first six weeks. And then, you know, I kind of shuffled it away because uh, it would have been a big endeavor. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then COVID hit. I moved in with my girlfriend at the time who's now my fiance. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. And uh, she won't let me go a a year on the road. But I was like, (laughs) you know what? what, How can we condense this idea? And so a Monday night tour. And so we were like, you know what? We're going to do this. And I see a lot of people, they want to prepare things, but they're like, I need this to happen. Instead of just being like, once we said we were going to do it, then people became interested because they were like, the leverage change. We don't need the NFL because we're going to do it. We don't need SeatGeek because we're going to do it. Now right. we want to work with you yeah. because we would like to make some money, but we're going to go and do it. And so, yeah, we had, I'm trying to think if we had worked with the NFL before, but we reached out, we had some contacts and, you know, we, we were able to take over their Snapchat for week one in Seattle for Russ's return. And then it came full circle. I took over for media day, uh, opening night at the Super Bowl. So yeah, you just kind of, Got to take more reps, do more things. Yeah, you know, it, you brought up a thing of, of doing it. Stop waiting for someone else to do something. And in that case, if it hopefully works out, they'll come to you. 
for that then when you were, were doing some of this were you funding some things yourself did you put some money like yeah yeah so snapbacks fully bootstrapped by myself i mean the beauty of of the company is it's been profitable social media is is a high profit business if you can do it right yeah. and you can build a real audience nowadays i think companies are spending a little too much developing content and then they don't have the the brand revenue on the back end but right. yeah we we had some money in the bank and so i was like let's scope this out it costs you know thirty thousand dollars all in and we found a partner that that was willing to pay us twice that so we were like all right we're, we're clear but if we hadn't, we we're still going to go and do it because we we're making money in other areas. And, um, you know, it was obviously worth it. People are really excited about it. We'll see if we run it back this year. I, I thought we weren't going to. And then yeah. the more people have been like, yo, that was great. The fans want it. Um, you know, with this YouTube stuff, we want to take it to the next level. So I would expect to, to be back on be the back. this fall. And then, well, the NBA, then you got a little bit of taste. You were going on. You got to be at NBA, NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah. Got to have that whole experience. If you go on and watch, there's one of your videos kind of vlogging, going through the photo shoots, doing those like the G League experience. <laughs> yeah. And that was just awesome. Then you got to go on TV and talk about, yeah. you know, it was about gambling, right? A little bit. So yeah. in sports betting... In some cases, when you look at this, is it ever? Do you ever have a moment of being like, I, I can't believe I'm, I, I'm actually in this position? It's ridiculous. Like the shit I get to do is silly. Like, why the heck am I the youngest sports betting analyst going on NBA TV before the All Star game? You know, I, I, it is ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, embrace it and enjoy it and obviously not forget like where you came from and why you got there. And that's, yeah. that's really just our fan base, um, which is why I'm always, you know, happy to take a picture with them and, and interact with them because I'd be literally nowhere without, without the fans. Um, so yeah, you, you have to enjoy it. And we talked a lot about this, you know, in the midst of Mondays, right? Yeah. 17, 34, 40 flights, 17 hotel rooms, you know, on the road constantly, you're out of habits, you're out of schedule, your workouts messed up, your diets messed up, all that stuff. But then you take a step back and you're like, all right, I'm on the field at a Monday night football game where literally not only does our entire fans want to do that, but like the people in the stadium, they're in the seats and we're on the field. So yeah, you, you have to enjoy the journey or else what are you doing it for? Yeah. Well, and the thing too is it's just when you look at it, you know, I, at, you're 26 now, is yeah, that right? Yeah. So 26, I mean, did you ever think you would be doing all this at this point? No, did you hope? You hoped you would. Yeah. But you're 26 and things are still going up and you hope you hope you take a moment to reflect and yeah. be like, this is truly something special. But it's awesome too, you're very humble thanking the people around you. I mean, that is that something was instilled growing up with your family about being, you're very humble in the thought process. You're not talking about how... Great you are stuff, which, you know, I'll talk you up a little bit, but like you had success. Like yeah, you built, yeah. you built something from scratch. Yeah. But the whole time you're saying how you wouldn't be here for, for the other ones, whether yeah. it's the fans, maybe your family, your support, um, you know, what, what was, that? I mean, my, my parents are, are good people. I was lucky enough to be raised in, you know, a good, a group of good people and a good family. Yeah. McDonough. Yeah. Eh, you know, McDonough, McDonough. Um, <laughs> I, I think for the most part, it's probably a lot to do with my alopecia. Like in that moment, you know, for those few years, uh, it was like, wow, you never really know what anyone's going through because mine was very public, right? You could see it. But then you start talking to people and it's like everyone's going through shit. Yeah. And so when you start to understand that and how, you know, hectic and, and it, I, now I just default to, to kindness because yeah. like, God, why do I need to ruin someone else's day? Their day is probably already all jazzed up. We've yeah. all got stressors in our life. So, yeah, I don't I mean, my parents are, are awesome. My family's great, but it's probably that that has led me this way. Your, your own personal experience. Yeah. You know, it's where you realize that for me, I'll, I'll say, and, and I'm probably not as nice as you, <laughs> but for me, it was growing up of, I, when I felt certain ways with, with growing up and with, even with my dad, the expectations of trying to be something. And I always felt that it, I could never live up to it. Yeah. And that part of me always 
made me look at others when I could see people being too hard on themselves or, or putting themselves down that I never wanted to be that reason. So mm-hmm. it, it's really cool to hear your own personal experience of why you act and treat people the way that you do. Yeah. No, um, and I, I'm glad you shared that because I think you know that people are always like, oh, that's Ripken's son, right? That like, I wonder how he thinks about things, his expectations, all that stuff. Yeah. And this is why I do like content because I'm a bit like, I, I went to therapy when I was younger for yeah. that. And, you know, the rise of mental health and how we talk about it is so important. And that's not to say that you were in a deep depression or have high anxiety, but like, even just talking about it makes it a much more comfortable situation. So yeah, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Too. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Everyone has their own journey and path. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate with the mental health. Cause I, you know, I used to always put then growing up baseball, how my success and my family, what I was doing was impacting me as a person. You have to separate that mm-hmm. as you get older. Uh, and you, you know, it's interesting bringing up mental health. Social media has changed the kind of perception and sometimes it can, really help we're talking about dopamine everyone right. you want the instant gratification but at the same time it can lead to people being really stressed being dependent on it you know how have you been able to maneuver through the social media and i'm sure at some point is and this is your business but yeah. i'm sure at some point you have to try to turn it off or to reset yourself yeah i i mean the hate comments right like yeah. you said like social has done an amazing job connecting people finding amazing stories sharing you know now stuff's more public but it's equally can be if you let it be as devastating you know Mm -hmm. even just like young kids looking online thinking that our lives are the best things in the world why can't i be like that to you know getting hate comments i've always i guess for some reason been able to deal with the hate comments because honestly i I probably credit like gary v a little bit on this Mm -hmm. and how he managed them and he always said like if someone's coming into your dms right to rip on you they got something going on in their life you know probably way worse than where you're at and just understand that like once again it's not personal it it'll definitely feel personal because they'll say some shit that'll get to you personal oh yeah but you know at the end of the day if someone is like really really ragging on you you know it's probably something with them so it's tough i i mean they there should be training in classes and there should be more conversation around this because kids are they're growing up in a in a tough time when it comes to that stuff. But you know, you say, how do you deal with it? You can close the laptop. You can turn off the phone. You know, you don't always have to just take the brunt of of the bullying that happens. Yeah, and you also I think you got to realize yeah realize the sources and and Jerry Sandusky uh, talked about it perfectly too. Of he was saying you know realize the sources if it's one of your close friends being critical that's one thing but if it's someone you never met <laughs> might not even have a profile picture and they're just spurting out whatever i mean take take it for what it is you know it's funny as actually when i turned off my twitter as a 19 year old kid <laughs> this wasn't horrible i i just what was one of the weirdest things you recall because this where i'm going with this is i was in college and when i told my friends you could google or uh, search my name on twitter and something would pop up yeah. So they would do that then. And one of the things that popped up was I ran into some some uh, girl out at a party. And then I remember exactly a uh, camera went off and she said, sorry. Um, uh, oh, I meant to do a selfie. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. like, all right, sure. What it turned out was she was tweeting about how ugly and hideous I was and said I looked like an avatar. And then posted that photo exactly where she said she was taking a snap. So I wasn't even mad. I don't. I mean, I don't know if avatars are really good looking. I know they're, <laughs> they're massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's that's for some people. But I mean, what's one of the like? Did you have a comment or something you had where you're like, you know what? That's that's different. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. The only thing that like comes to mind is like anything about Hallie or. Or anything that's not about me, yeah. that's where I, it's like, don't do not do that. And and you know what I'm actually, I'm very open about is like, I'm quick to block yeah. if you're going to hit the... Now, I think there's constructive feedback, even from people that aren't your friends, right? right? If people tell me, hey, this video sucks, I think like, okay, tell me why. Like, I would love to know why you think it sucks. If you sucks. have a reason of why you don't like it, let me right, know. Right, right. 
but if you start coming to other people and it's because of like me, you know, they're in my video or in my content, like that's where that's not going to fly. So I always encourage like you, you don't, there's no rule that says you have to let people follow you. Like you don't have to be friends with people. So no. why do I need to hear from random people and their opinions? Um, so I don't know if there's a specific moment, but yeah, I, I threw, uh, yeah. I threw a curveball in yeah. there pun yeah. intended for the baseball <laughs> words, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right though. You don't have to listen. Like it's, it's your space, even yeah. though it's public. And again, for people that, you know, if you delete something, I mean, it's probably not really deleted first off. Yeah. It's a public space. That's a whole different conversation, but it's your choice. It's your page. Mm -hmm. You get to choose who wants to be involved in, in your work yep. and don't take it so personally. If they're going to be a jackass, block them, let it go. Yeah the block works and honestly you respond to people and nine times out of 10 it's a uh, oh i didn't think you'd respond oh i didn't think you'd see this oh i didn't mean that you know it's very rare that people are coming back actually i commented uh marcus smart got in a fight with trey young and i commented on instagram like marcus marcus smart's a clown now once again i'm now as a just as a person commenting on social media do I actually think Marcus Smart's like a loser, a bad person, a clown, a scumbag? No, but like I just commented that, right? right. So it wasn't personal. Then I get 10 DMs. He's got a rabid fan base, especially those Celtics fans. Oh, yeah. Your mom's a clown. You're a clown, all this stuff. And so I don't take it personally either. But I would say like I either like it or respond to nine, you know, and the rest of them were like, oh, just kidding. Like I just thought it was funny. You know, like people aren't really taking this stuff too seriously it's just the internet yeah the internet's a crazy place yeah, it's a crazy to, to place. say the least amount so before we get into quick hitters though to wrap up for you you're you want to you're moving forward with youtube is there anything else that you're really excited about moving into 2023 or do you have aspirations moving from this year maybe even five yeah. years down the road yeah so for snapback a huge thing for us is creating products so a lot of the ways we've made money in the past has been brand partnerships and advertising. Mm -hmm. And we'll see a lot of change over the next couple of years in media and just in general of like what companies can sell products. So a product for us could be one of our hats, which I have down there yeah. um, to like a premium subscription. So that's going to be a huge, huge focus for us because that's where the real audience is going to come out. If you've got real followers, I always say like you got followers and then you got like fans slash real audience and yeah. we've always had real audience it's why we work with underdog because we can have people play with us as opposed to a lot of you know influencers and so that's probably what i'm most looking forward to is you know how do we do on youtube and how do we do building these products that's i'm excited to see it because again you're 26 what you've already accomplished and for so many people and through your 20s is a hard time yeah. and you're already at this one place so it's it's going to be really awesome to see you continue to skyrocket and so far you're understanding so now when you're saying youtube's the thing to kind of focus on yeah i'm going to be pushing <laughs> to work on my youtube a little bit more so i was moving to a couple quick hitters to wrap all this up you will we'll start in the sports world because you're a sports guy we talked about we got, there's the baltimore ties but you're a huge knicks fan yes how did that what uh, what happened? Just came to New York and... <laughs> so my belief in life is gambling is good. Not scratch-offs, not, you know, parlays, not any of that stuff. Yeah. Is that skin in the game matters. And so if you're going to get on TV and say, I think the Kings are going to win the Western Conference, the only real way I know you're not lying is if, like, you've bet on it. Now, that doesn't mean you have to bet money. Right. But you could say, I'll, you know do an episode with my shirt off. Right. And yeah. once you've got skin in the game, that's where things change. So, you know, gambling is kind of in my blood to a degree. When I got to New York, the Knicks were going to get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Zion <laughs> Williamson, right? Those are the good right. days. Uh, you know, it's funny how things worked out. We probably were lucky to avoid those guys, but I proposed to my coworkers. I was like, let's buy tickets. If they get those guys, it's going to cost a fortune to get oh, into the garden. Yeah. We're going to make so much money. We landed Taj Gibson and Julius Randle. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, so, Randle's pa has panned out. It, he almost, it has panned out. And I saw your tweet going for 70 the other night. Well, what did he end up finish 57, with? 57. 57. So anyways, I, we get the tickets. 
Um, we sell some of them. The Knicks are terrible. So instead of taking a loss, I just went to a couple games. And then you're at MSG. The garden's electric. Oh. Knicks fans, like, there is something special about Knicks fans. They're all, you know, together in, in misery, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I just became a huge Knicks fan. The COVID season was amazing. When no one had anything to do, the Knicks were awesome, trying hard. And here we are in the five seed right now uh, with the playoff run impending. So that's the backstory to how I became a Knicks fan. That's fun. I, I wish that was the one thing in Baltimore. I wish the, the, the Wizards used to be the Baltimore Bulls. Yeah. And you can go into D.C., but it just, man, it would have been really cool to have that team in Baltimore, that setting, because just basketball, I love the sport. And, yeah. and the Garden, that, that's the thing for me. I, I want to go to those games. Are you going to go to the uh, NCAA tournament when they're in the Garden? Yeah, I'll be there Ooh. on Saturday. Yeah, Man, that's going to be a blast. Yeah. Um, you still have your, your ties, though. You're still a huge Ravens fan. Yep. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. But, I mean, are, you, are we confident about Lamar coming back to Baltimore? I'm not confident. Um, I think that... The Ravens have blown the situation, even though if you look at it from a business perspective, right? They said, we're calling your bluff a little bit. You can go test the market. They still have control. They should still be able to get them back. My opinion is the Ravens historically are a great organization. Playoffs year in, year out. The way they let defensive player linebackers walk and then replace them through the draft. Yeah. Like they really do business the right way. Right. And they try and make it not personal. I, I think they're lagging behind with the change in the NFL. It's it's a passing league, right? Mm -hmm. And they kept Roman a, a couple of years too long. And most importantly, your quarterback is all that matters nowadays. And to not lock him up under any circumstance, I understand why you don't want to pay him $200 million guaranteed. I think the league's just changed. And I think if Joe Burrow were to say, hey, I want this money guaranteed, since he would probably take that risk because they don't want to risk this this idea that Burrow's not going to be there. Mahomes wouldn't be there. So, Well, it's a good point now of where it's saying, and we know Cleveland kind of... Yes. The, the Cleveland, the Browns browned, and that's that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the thing is, yes, you get it, but it, it's a quarterback-driven league. Like you said, and for the Bengals fans, you can't imagine life without Joe Burrow. The first, or since Jamar Chase came to the league and he's got his, his uh, partner in crime, or Burrow has his partner yeah. in crime in Chase, that duo with T. Higgins, that offense... And the Bengals went from being irrelevant to now being the contender each and every year. I mean, and Mahomes, it makes a difference. Yeah. I'm right and, there with and you. And look, Ravens fans, I get it because we've built a great defense. We've built a great offensive line. We have Lamar Jackson. But then you look at Cincy. They had an awful offensive line. They still got there. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with Kansas City. They let Tyreek Hill walk, but they, they bring in the pieces to make things happen, and I just think the Ravens need to embrace that. That's where we're at in 2023. Pay Lamar Jackson. Ooh. He's special. He is special. I think people I, forget I that. I can't. You know, that's the thing is I don't blame anyone. There's great people involved with all. I tell people all the time, don't don't get mad at at the people involved with it. The business can get difficult, but doesn't make them bad people. You're they're trying to look out for the best yeah. thing for them. Just a, it's it's off right now, which which stinks. With football, though, next question, what were, were some of your favorite places during your Monday night segments that you went to? So so Lambeau Field is like the only, I would say, sporting event. Like I've been to Wrigley before. I've been to Fenway, you know, MSG, yeah. historic arenas and stadiums and cities. Lambeau is the only one that I genuinely and this could be biased because I'm a sports fan. But I think you could go and treat it as like a museum and a tour of like culture. Yeah. And that's like the level of like you just feel football there. The the metal bleachers, the cold, the cheese, the beer, that's uh, and, and the historic legends in their team museum. So Lambo's definitely number one to me. And then we got to explore some cool cities like Kansas City. You know, you get to try the barbecue, see the tailgating. We got to go up to Buffalo, do a wing tour. Um, so those are probably a few of my favorites. I just love seeing the energy of the crowds and the team and, and all that goes with seeing, you know, it's not necessarily always different cultures per se, but being able to see like different cities is, is really awesome. Yeah. Then what about, what about fan bases? What was one fan base that surprised you? Oh, a surprise. I, maybe I didn't know what Kansas city was fully like, like you hear about it on TV yeah. that they're loud, but that thing is, that place is deafening loud Niners fans are rowdy and they oh, travel really well like yeah. when we went to Mexico City that was like a home game for the Niners so that was cool and then the 
the most underrated place is Indy. The Lucas Oil is gorgeous. The city is really cool. Great bars and, and food places downtown. It's like a small, neat little city that was fun to be at. Yeah, you're going to make me travel to game. <laughs> Actually, my sister and I were trying to do that. Go to a game each year. At least one Ravens yeah. game away. But now I might just have to say, screw it. We're going to go to all of them. <laughs> go to uh, I think there's some great ones next year, if I'm not mistaken. I got to look at the full schedule. Um yeah, I, I, I love it. And for everyone that's wondering, it's, it's all on the Snapback Sports. You want to go look at all, all the, the details of the Monday Night Football we're talking about. It's all on there, and it's well worth your time, if, especially if you love the NFL and you love the experience. So now we're getting to the last question. You already answered one piece of advice. What's Jack Settlement's final piece that, that, you, that resonates with you on a day-to-day basis? So I think a lot of people want to do their own thing. A lot of people, right, we talk about independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think as an entrepreneur, the best piece of advice I got was that you can be entrepreneurial on someone else's dime. And what I mean by that is just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and start your own company, raise funding, take outsized risk, right? The reward, you know, normally falls within that. But I took a lot of entrepreneurial ways at Action Network. I started our college ambassador program. If that program failed, that didn't cost me a dollar. I actually got paid to, you know, try that, right? And so I think, you know, if you're thinking about doing your own podcast, you're thinking about doing your own social media channel, whatever it may be, your company probably needs help on social yeah. run their social media test, try, learn, you know, you're going to have to do it on your own time. But yeah, I'm a big believer in being, being entrepreneurial doesn't necessarily mean that you got to go and do stuff by yourself because the entrepreneurial journey is lonely. And in sports, we make fun of t- players who join super teams in the business world. We applaud them, right? When yeah. companies team up together, yeah. employees team up together. So yeah, use the resources at your disposal uh, is, is something that, that did well for me. Yeah. So what you're saying is put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to do whatever you want to do. And you don't have to do it alone. Exactly. And and if you do those things, you could end up having a huge <laughs> media company that's going to continue to grow. Right? That's what we're saying. Yeah. But hey, dream big. And Jack, I can't thank you enough. That's all I got unless you got anything else. No, no. You you know where to find me at Jack Settlement, Stabback Sports. Um, excited to see where your stuff goes. I've been enjoying watching the journey. Because, you know, sometimes it's, it's a lonely journey, right? It, You're it, it by it, yourself. It's a lonely road. Even when you have guests, uh, it's a lot of late night edits because you're doing other stuff. You're taking meetings. You're working full-time jobs. So, yeah, it's exciting to see other people going for it because a lot of people, like we talked about, they'll plan, they'll schedule, but they won't go and do it and they won't stay consistent. And to see you do that, you know, I want to give props to you as well. I appreciate it. So we'll see what happens. I don't think I got a snapback sports in me, but you never know. And we got, we, I got some catching up to do, but, but Jack, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And that's all we have for this episode. That does it for this week's episode with Jack settlement. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please like subscribe and leave a review. That's the best way for me to make this whole experience better. Cause at the end of the day, I want to make this better for all the listeners out there. And I will see you next week for another episode of Off Script with Rip.